chapter 16, and we'll read verses 1 to 15 and then verse 33. And Jesus is speaking here in, in, chapter, in ver- verse 1. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogues. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they, do not, they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. Very truly, I tell you, it is, your good, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because God Um, because people do not believe in me, about righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, about judgment, because the prince of the world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he comes, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, as we open your word, would you speak to us? Show us your truth through your Holy Spirit. And would we go out um, being different people than when we arrived? In Jesus' name, amen. I think this um, whole chapter of um, chapter 16, and if you have a Bible with you, um, you can open it and, and read with us because we're going to be popping up and down through the different verses. And I encourage you to bring a Bible with you on a Sunday morning because it just helps you to get used to God's Word and to know where things are. I find myself knowing that verse is on that side of that page, on that part, that sort of half of the Bible, rather than knowing exactly where it is in, um, in the verses. Um, but verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that, you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is warning us and the disciples that they will suffer in this world. In the midst of this suffering, they can have peace because they know that the Lord is in control because the Spirit is in our lives and is with us in the midst of our suffering that we can know God's victory in the midst of this suffering and know that God will have an ultimate victory as Jesus comes again to judge the world. In ancient Greek myth, there is a myth called the myth of Sisyphus. Sisyphus was a king who was cursed to push a large boulder up a hill for eternity. And just before he got to the top of the hill, the rock would fall down the hill again and Sisyphus would have to begin the journey again, striving and straining 
to get the, the boulder up the hill to ultimately fail. And a lot of the times for us living in the world and especially living through this pandemic, it has felt like we're pushing a boulder up a hill. And we strive to put barriers to suffering and to put barriers against hurt and, and difficulty and hardship in our lives. We have insurance, we have garden fences, we have security alarms, and most of these things um, will, will fail us at some, or some of these things will fail us at some stage in our lives. Um, we think sometimes that as followers of Jesus that life is supposed to be easy. We've been called to follow Jesus, and that's supposed to make everything easy again. But Jesus tells us here that the world that we live in is broken and that we will face difficulty, that we'll face difficulty from the world, as we can see happening in India and across the world, um, like in Israel this week as well. Natural disaster, human failure, sickness, pain, betrayal, broken relationships, and the consequences of our own sins in our lives as we hurt the people that we love around us. And Jesus says here in verse 2 that we'll suffer and experience persecution for following Jesus. He says that the disciples will be cast out of the synagogues and their um, idea of, of faith. Jesus actually said in Matthew chapter 10 that he came to bring a sword, not to bring peace. And that's not to say that Jesus was to bring up a revolution, and, um, but that following him will cause other people to um, rise against us at times. And some of us who've decided to follow Jesus have experienced that in our lives. We have lost friendships and we've lost family um, relationships. Some people would have gone for a walk on a Sunday morning, but now you choose to go to church on a Sunday morning, and even those small things can cause divisions in, in relationships. But as believers, we, we believe that we experience this opposition because we are living in direct opposition to the world and to the devil, and so he wants to oppose us. In 1 Peter chapter 4, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you had spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, corrosive and detestable idolatry. They're, they're surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. Verse 3 shows us that the world will oppose us, and especially we can see that in the world today, as anyone comes up and says something against the, the zeitgeist or the, the worldview that we see on media or in the news or anything like that, anything that stands up against a postmodern idea of truth is seen to be morally incorrect or morally wrong. We are seen as being those who are morally wrong in terms of the worldview. If you, you can see very simply anyone who says something against LGBTQ ideas, anything against the ideas of abortion or the transgender debate, um, we are seen as being bigots or being evil. But Jesus is saying here that that's nothing new. That's nothing new under the sun, and this is definitely the case. But why does that happen? Why do we experience this opposition? Well, because the devil wants to put a target on our back if we're following him and claiming ground for Jesus and wants us to experience that persecution. At times in our lives, we might want to ask ourselves, well, actually, I'm not experiencing any difficulty at all. 
And it's not that all difficulty comes from, from this, but sometimes we need to ask ourselves, is my life so indistinguishable from those in the world or those my neighbors and friends who aren't non-believing that the devil has nothing to oppose in my life? Um, someone once said that once we follow Jesus, the devil puts a target on our back and says, I'm going to start opposing and start bringing difficulty. A great book to read is The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, which talks about the little things that, that can happen in our lives that the devil uses to take our focus away from God and put our focus onto other things, upon ourselves and upon the small things in life. It, it, it paints a really great picture of sitting in church and thinking about someone's squeaky shoes rather than thinking about worshiping God, the cosmic God of the universe. In Acts chapter 19, there are some Jewish um, men who are trying to cast out a demon, and the demon speaks to them and says, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, the apostle, whose name you're using, but I don't know you. And so I wonder, as Christians, should we live our lives in opposition to the world and the devil so that the devil would know our names? As followers of Jesus, we need to get comfortable with the uncomfortable in our lives. And what could that possibly look like? Well, it could look like knocking some doors in the, in the parish and talking to people and saying that to, hello and that we as a church are thinking about them and praying for them. It could look like lots of different things, but that's one example. Jesus said to follow him is to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow him. And so that's going to be a life of discomfort and difficulty and sometimes suffering, but it's also a life of great joy. And we're going to read about that in a second. In verse 4, it says that we can have peace in the midst of this. We can simply have peace because Jesus has warned us that these things are going to happen, that it's not a surprise, that it's not catching God off guard, and certainly doesn't need to catch us off guard. The pandemic was not beyond God's understanding. It did not catch him by surprise, and he certainly wasn't sleeping in the midst of it, like we have seen through the We Are With You campaign and through lots of things that churches have been doing. And God can actually, in the midst of our suffering, and no matter what difficulty we are going through, this, these things are, are hard, that we can know that he can use these things for our good. In Romans 8, 28, it says, God can use all things for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. And these, this is very heavy and very difficult stuff to, to manage in the midst of your, our suffering, but we can still have hope in the midst of that. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 3 to 5, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. And what a difficult thing to say in the midst of our sufferings, but we can glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given us. And so we can have hope and peace in the midst of our suffering because Jesus says here in the passage that he's sending us the advocate. And Jesus actually says to the disciples, this time to come when the Holy Spirit will come is better than me living here on earth with you. And so we as the church now are better off than those disciples who walked with Jesus day by day. They had to go to God through Jesus, but we have direct access into the throne room of God through what Jesus did in his death, his resurrection, and ascension. But what is the Spirit going to do? Well, Jesus says he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. In sin, he's going to convict the world of how it rejects God's ways every day, and how we reject God's ways every day in our lives. 
and it's going to show the world that eventually every knee will bow down to Jesus. As it says in, in Philippians 2 verse 11, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Through righteousness, the Holy Spirit will convict us of righteousness, will convict us and show us that through Jesus we can have righteousness or right standing before God. We can experience two things in life, condemnation or conviction. Condemnation, I, I believe, doesn't come from God, and condemnation says you're evil, you're worthless, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything because you've done these horrible bad things. Whereas Hebrews, or Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The Spirit instead convicts us. It's like you're running a race, and you trip up and you fall. As a good coach would, they would say, get up and keep on running. And that's what the Spirit does for us. He doesn't say, you're awful, you're worthless because you've sinned. He says, get up, keep on going. You can do better next time. Conviction says that we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who through the, through the, for the joy set before him endured the cross, and because of that we can cast off the sins that so easily entangle. And that's what Hebrews chapter 12 says. The Spirit is our advocate and our helper. Another word for the devil is the accuser, and the word for the Spirit is the advocate. And so we need to recognize the voices in our own head. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is, um, our heart, even when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. And the Spirit convicts the world of judgment, knowing that the devil is defeated, um, that we live in the space between D-Day and V-E-Day. When the, when the victory was won in World War II, clearly a, a huge defeat on D-Day, but there was still battles to be won until victory in Europe Day. And the Spirit is to tell us and to show us all truth in our lives, and we can speak truth to ourselves and to the world, and, and we can know His voice, and we can get to know His voice even more. And, and we read in John chapter 10 of how we are to get to know God's voice, and we primarily do that through getting to know His Word through the Bible. We learn things that God would say and things that God wouldn't say in our, in our lives and to us. And through the transforming of our mind, as you read in Romans chapter 12, we, we become transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can test God's will, His good, perfect, and pleasing will. And I just challenge you as well. Um, I forgot to say this in the last service, but I'm reading through the Bible um, this year with the Bible reading plan. And one of the passages um, was in Judges chapter 11, where there's a, a judge who's leading Israel, the judge Jephthah, and he's got the Spirit of God. It says that the Spirit of God comes upon him to give him leadership. But at the same time, Jephthah makes a really crucial error and a clearly a, a choice that would, God would not suggest for him to do, something that's actually forbidden earlier on in the Bible. And if he knew God's Word, he would have been able to discern God's will, and he wouldn't have acted in that way. And so just because we have the Spirit of God living in us doesn't mean that we'll ultimately discern His will correctly. We need to do that with other people's help, with His Word, and with His Spirit. And so, I've got a, a bit of an analogy for you to, to help to, us to discern how we learn God's will and how we practice that. Um, we've got a dog at home. His name is George. If you've been on Zoom with us at any stage over lockdown, um, you will have probably seen George in one of our Zooms. He usually doesn't like it when anything else gets attention. 
Um, and so when we're on Zoom, he usually gets on our knee or something. Um, my wife, Abby, was a, um, from a family surrounded by dogs, and her dad was a dog um, trainer. And so we've kind of got, learned the skills of how you learn to treat, teach a dog tricks um, and how to teach them not to be bad. Um, and so it simply works like this. You, you give a dog a simple command, so you don't say to your dog something different every time. So, come here, George, or George, get over here. He'll not understand that because those are two different things. If you say to George, George, come, he'll know every time that when I say that, he has to come back here. And I give him some positive reinforcement. So I give him a treat or give him a good boy and tell him he's done a good job. And so it's practice and obedience. When George does a good thing, I give him a treat and he will learn to do it again. And he, he likes the food, so he learns pretty quickly. Um, a really good example of this is when we lived with some friends in Crawfordsburn for a while. George did um, as one of his good tricks, is, which is whisper. So he knows how to speak and he barks loud and he whispers, he goes, Whoa. And so he just did this in the middle of the, the living room and we all went mad and we said, get some treats. And you give him some treats and then tell him to do it again and again and again. And so now he can do it on command. And the same way, um, when we are learning the voice of the Spirit, it's about practice and obedience and it's about positive reinforcement. If we feel that God is asking us to do something, well, we should go and, and practice and see if that was what God's will was for us. And we might get it wrong, but it's, at least it's practice and obedience. When, when George gets it wrong, I don't chastise him and give him negative reinforcement and tell him he's bad. I just encourage him to do it again and to learn how to do it the next time. And I think it's the same way when we're learning the Spirit's voice and we're learning to obey him. Practice and obedience. Another thing is when George um, doesn't do something, um, I, just, I tend to give up. He can't roll over. George can't roll over no matter what we do. He just freaks out and he doesn't like it. And I believe in the same way, when the Spirit asks us to do something and he continually asks us, a prime example is go chat to your neighbor, see how they are, and actually talk to them about, about, about God. If you're continually being asked to do that and you continually say no, I believe eventually the Spirit will stop asking us to do that thing. And it's not that and we'll be chastised and we'll, we'll be told that we're awful and condemned, but that we'll lose the joy of the opportunity to do the thing that the Spirit has asked us to do. And I believe that, um, you know, that's the true joy that we can have here on earth when we follow the plan that, 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 um, that the Lord has for us. And so going on, Jesus says that we can um, ask anything in his name and we will receive it. And what a, what a huge challenge for us that we can pray for healing. We can pray for other people's difficult situations. We can pray that God would relieve our suffering here on earth and that he will give it to us. And it's not that um, when we pray in Jesus' name that we're going to get what we pray for. Um, when I was in um, church in Moira, where I came from, there was a little boy who prayed one day with his sister and said, oh, no, you have to say amen, otherwise the wish doesn't come true. And that's not prayer. That's not how we do it. We, we pray in God's name, praying that, that our will would be his will, that he would want to do what we would want to do, what he wants to do, and that this would be within his will. And so we know that we can suffer, we will suffer in this world, but we know that we can endure that suffering with the Holy Spirit, with leading in our lives. But we also know that we can endure this suffering because Jesus has won the victory on the cross. In verse 20 verse to 21, we didn't read those verses, but Jesus says, this suffering for the disciples who were about to suffer Jesus dying on the cross was going to be temporary and followed by great joy. 
Um, he compares it to, to labor and how a child would be born, would, a, a woman would go through suffering to have great joy when a child is born. And it's the same for us. Our suffering is here and it is difficult and it is hard. And Jesus doesn't say that their suffering isn't hard. He says that they will grieve and have difficulty, but he says that they will have great joy. Our suffering is temporary, but our joy will be eternal. In Romans 8, verse 31, it says, When, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And it goes on to say nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are called to live these lives in the power of the Spirit and to live them now and to claim God's kingdom here on earth in every area of our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our friendship groups, and in our town. To pray the words of the Lord's Prayer, God's, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the midst of our suffering and in the midst of the world's suffering, to call his good, goodness and kingdom into those moments. And if we're wanting to bring God's kingdom here on earth and we're seeing that happen, we will experience opposition from the devil and from the enemy. And when Jesus says um, that we will suffer, he says that we will ultimately have the victory when he comes again, that we will see the victory over all suffering, all death, all dying, all pain will be gone forever when he comes to make all things new. And that's even what our um, series is called. Our current hardships will be overcome by Jesus. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Whatever you are suffering through today, if you are suffering, bring it to Christ and, and pray that he could take it away. As he said, pray in my name and ask boldly. Pray as the psalmists do. Pray honestly. Pray as Job did. Pray, pray truthfully with him and, and tell him how you grieve. As Jesus doesn't tell the disciples here not to grieve, he tells them to be honest and truthful and tells them that their joy will come eternally. Pray bravely that Jesus will use your suffering to make you more like his son, that God will use his suffering to make you more like his son. And pray that the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you through it and help you to bring his kingdom here on earth. Pray that through practice of faithful obedience, we will learn to hear his voice, we'll learn to get comfortable with the uncomfortable in our lives, and we'll see his kingdom come here in our lives. And pray and thank him that your suffering is not forever, that it is temporary, but that your joy will be eternal. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Lord God, we thank you that we can know peace that passes understanding in our lives now. 
Lord, there's, there's many here this morning and who are watching at home who are going through real and